Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. Our executive producer is Adrian Peterson. This is edition NWS 573 for release on Sunday, February 16th, 2020. On Wavescan today, Uruguay on shortwave after the Second Great War. An interview with Paul Ladd of KNLS and Madagascar World Voice. And our Canadian DX report from Harold Sellers. In our program today, we pick up the shortwave radio scene in the South American country of Uruguay around the middle of last century. Back in the year 1942, there were half a dozen shortwave transmitters on the air in Uruguay, and each was carrying a program relay from the parent medium wave station. Here's Ray Robinson now with Uruguay on shortwave after the Second Great War. Thanks, Jeff. In Uruguay, medium wave call signs begin with two letters, either CW or CX, followed by a number. And on short wave, call signs begin with the three letters CXA, followed by a number. However, even though the government licensing agency requires that every radio broadcasting station and every shortwave frequency in Uruguay be registered with an identifying call sign, as far as the listening public is concerned, stations are known by their identifying slogan or station name, which is far more significant. A study of all of the shortwave broadcasting stations in Uruguay during the past 80 years, from the middle of the last century right up to today, indicates that this entire radio era has been fraught with difficulty, problems and change. Even though the government licensing agency has kept a firm control on all of the changes and variations, the only evidence of consistency in the shortwave scene in Uruguay is in itself inconsistency. The shortwave broadcasting stations in Uruguay have always encountered many problems, some of which are quite serious. The South American nation of Uruguay is a small country with a small population, and therefore there's always been a shortage of government funding, even for the government-owned shortwave service. Very few of the medium-wave stations receive adequate income from advertising, and even though there is value in operating a parallel shortwave service, the shortwave outlets usually suffer because of the low station income. Thus, many stations have survived only with the usage of volunteer and part-time staffing. The high cost of electricity, as well as expensive technical equipment and parts, has contributed to the financial constraints at most stations, and then too, there is generally insufficient technical training for station engineers. When a medium-wave station has undergone a change in ownership, the short-wave station experiences the same change. Sometimes, one medium-wave station will rent time on another station's short-wave frequency, which obviously adds to the confusion for the listeners. 
It's argued that, as far as the listeners are concerned, it would have been far better if all of the shortwave stations in the country had clustered themselves together in one or perhaps two shortwave bands. And then, with stations on more or less adjacent frequencies, listeners could have tuned between the stations far more easily, and thus choose which particular station they preferred to hear. However, the increase of strong signals on all shortwave bands from other parts of the world has made listening to low-power local shortwave stations in Uruguay more difficult to hear. And then, too, a multitude of shortwave listeners have migrated to other growing forms of entertainment and information, such as FM radio, television and communication via the ever-increasing usage of social media. Anyway, let's look now at some of the interesting events and information associated with the shortwave broadcasting in Uruguay since around the middle of the last century. For example, international radio monitors in the United States in April 1943 stated that the shortwave broadcasts from Radio Belgrano were jammed by a wobbly carrier which was producing a wobbly heterodyne signal. The only shortwave station in Uruguay that was carrying a relay from Radio Belgrano LR3 in nearby Buenos Aires during that era was Radio Real de San Carlos in Colonia on the southern coast of Uruguay. Radio Real was on the air with 5 kilowatts as CXA8 on 9640 kHz or as CXA14 on 11825 kHz. And apparently the government of Uruguay disapproved of the wartime relay from Buenos Aires. During the past three quarters of a century, there have been several shortwave stations on the air in rural areas of Uruguay, though they were all low-powered and were in service for only a short period of time. In addition to Radio Real, as was just mentioned, there was Radio Internacional at Rivera, with just 150 watts on 4910 kHz in 1975. Rivera, in Uruguay, is actually a suburb of the city of Santana do Livramento in Brazil. Radio La Voz de Artigas, in Artigas on the border with Brazil, was on the air 30 years ago with its 2.5 kilowatts on 4945 kHz. Radio Paisando at Paisando on the border with Argentina, with its 2 kilowatts on 4990 kHz, was on the air nearly half a century ago. Radio Universo, with its 20 watts on 6055 kHz, was located on the Atlantic coast and it was on the air some 10 years ago. There were also two other shortwave stations on the air five years ago. These were Banda Oriental at Zarandi, with 2 kilowatts on 6154 kHz, and the unofficial Emisora Chana at Taquarembo, with 30 watts on 5688 kHz. These two stations were located towards the centre of the country. Back in 1946, Radio El Espectador in Montevideo was licensed for 5 kilowatts on 11835 kHz. However, because of international interference on that channel, they moved unofficially to 11735 kHz, and then sought official approval, which was never granted to them. Subsequently, Radio Oriental was granted that channel. Fifteen years ago, Radio La Voz de Artigas was on the air with 5 kilowatts on 6075 kHz, though the modulation level was only about 50%. 
Their other shortwave channel, 4945 kHz, was used as a program link from the studios to the out-of-town transmitters. In 1961, the well-known South American gospel station, HCJB in Quito, Ecuador, purchased a radio station in Montevideo, station CX42, with 2.5 kilowatts on 1370 kHz. This station was known as Radio del Pueblo, with an address at 1805 Mercedes in Montevideo. However, available information, or more likely a lack of follow-up information, would indicate that the intended purchase of this medium wave station, together with the subsequent installation of the projected shortwave transmitter, was never accomplished. The New Zealand DX Times for February 2004 stated that 17 radio stations in Uruguay were for sale, apparently all medium wave stations, and therefore plus a few additional shortwave stations as well. This indicated, states NZDXT, the financial situation for most of the radio broadcasting stations in Uruguay. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson, at KVOH in Los Angeles. If you're an avid shortwave listener or DXer, and if you'd like to get together with some others who have the same interests, we might suggest to you the 2020 Winter SWL Fest that takes place in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. That's a suburb of Philadelphia on February 27th through the 29th. It's a lot of fun. You'll get to hear talks and presentations about a variety of shortwave and DX-related topics. There's a banquet on the last night, and often, but not always, the banquet speaker is from a shortwave radio station. That was the case last year when the SWL Fest banquet speaker was Paul Ladd from World Christian Broadcasting, which operates KNLS in Alaska and Madagascar World Voice in Africa. I was at last year's fest, and I had a chance to talk to Paul Ladd. Paul Ladd, hello, good to see you again. Great to see you, Jeff. And uh, uh, you are a regular fest attendee, I think? I am. I have been coming every year since 2007. We like to have a presence here. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and now there are not, maybe not so many shortwave stations attending these events anymore, so... Not as many. I think it's good to be here because we get to meet listeners. You know, we can't go out and do a remote like, you know, say a WOGL in Philadelphia. We can't go out and do that. So this is where we get to meet listeners. And uh, do you get some broadcast material as well? Yes, I do. Uh, I get some uh, stories while I'm here. Uh, Yesterday, for instance, I was over at the Holocaust Awareness Museum and Education Center over in the Great Northeast section of Philadelphia. And... um, we talked to a survivor who will be 100 years old uh, two months from uh, tomorrow, I believe it is. And just amazing. I watched him give a Skype presentation to some school children in Colorado, and they were mesmerized. It's time now for First Person. Stories of real people in real lives. Here's Paul Ladd. This is the story of a poor farm kid who grew up to become a big city mayor and then walked away from politics to answer a higher calling. This is the story of W. Wilson Good. He was born in a modest home in the small town of Seaboard, North Carolina. His father was a sharecropper, and life was not easy for poor black people in the days of segregation. 
Good had no idea what life would hold for him, but he recalls two incidents that offered a prediction. One was uh, a cousin named Francis Jean. And we get some good stories here. This morning I talked with Thomas Witherspoon of Ears for Our World, Ears to Our World, rather, and got an update on what they're doing. So we, we find a lot of good stories here because, you know, local news in America tends to take a global story and localize it. We take a local story and globalize it. We do just the opposite. Now, are your English programs that you produce um, also on Madagascar World Voice besides KNLS? Yes, they are, Jeff. Uh, we run the same program. Uh, it's the same show. So, you know, I guess now I have twice as many fans or twice as many people wanting to throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> and, and, and you do an hour a day, right? We do an hour every day, and almost all of our content is produced in-house. Of course, the music's not, but the teaching segments and the feature segments, almost all of those we produce in-house. So we have control of the content, and it gives us a chance to be creative. Uh, Rob Scobie is our senior producer and uh, host of the uh, English Hour, and Rob gets to use his creative genius uh, many ways, and I get to use uh, my alleged creative genius, too. <laughs> what, what, what's your background, Paul, before you were with World Christian Radio? Uh, broadcasting. I was with uh, Metro Networks, a Westwood One company. We used to have to say that when we answered the phone. But I was with Metro Networks. I was with uh, WLAC News Talk 1510 in Nashville. I've also done some TV work and uh, quite a bit of print. Still do some print for the Green Hills News in Nashville. Want to give them a shout out. And, uh, you know, I, I do it all. Journalism has been my game for a long time, since I was but a tot. And are you a shortwave listener? I am. I do not have a shortwave radio at home that works right now, but we have some at our building, and we listen. We get to hear our programs. We get excited. I get excited when I hear uh, my colleague Ed Ho on the Chinese program, even though I don't understand bupkis of it, but still, it's exciting because that's Ed. That's the guy I see every day. So I get excited. And my uh, colleague, uh, Konstantin Chernyshenko, I hear him. He's very distinctive. He sounds very Russian, which... It's handy since uh, he's doing the Russian program. You're, you're based at the World Christian Broadcasting Center in, in Nashville, in Franklin, Tennessee? Yes. Franklin, right outside Nashville. We have been there since 1990, I believe. I've been there since 2005. And we do, uh, we do everything there. We have four studios. We have a great staff. Uh, I want to give a shout-out, if I may, to my technical producer, Shu Mei Lee. I could not do the interviews I do without her. She makes me sound good, and that's no small task. And she's a miracle worker, and I wish we had three or four like her. <laughs> we should mention also uh, uh, your your president and CEO, uh, Charles Cloudell, who recently um, recently retired. Although I think I think he's still president emeritus, and he, I'm sure he still has his hand in things. He definitely does, and I will tell you, Charles is one of the most forward-thinking people I've ever worked with in many years of broadcasting. He thinks outside the box. He lets us do our jobs, leaves us alone, trusts us. He said, you know, you guys are the experts. Uh, we had a guy come in one day. I'll probably get in trouble for telling this, but we had a guy who does some contract work for us. And he said one day, he said, this place is like MASH and you're Henry Blake. And Charles said, so? He said, you don't understand. You've got, cra you've got some crazy people here. And, of course, he was pointing to me. And he said, maybe so, but they're good at what they do. And see, that's the thing. Charles encourages us. He believes in us. And 
you know, when they called him Henry Blake, I asked if I could be Klinger. And, and he, is, he is one of the nicest people I have ever met. Absolutely. I cannot argue that at all. Uh, Charles has been great. He's one of those people you go to him, Charles, we've got a problem. He'll take a look. Well, let's solve it. Not, oh, this is the end of the world as we know it. And we've all worked with people like that. Charles, you bring him a problem, let's solve it. That's right. And then he does. <laughs> uh, and Andy Baker has now taken over from, from, from Charles. Andy Baker, as I call him, the world's pastor, uh, he does a prayer lesson on our show every week. And to a lot of people, he's the only minister they know. He has a heart for people. And when you listen to his segment every week, you feel like Andy's in the room talking to you, which is the idea. He's very good at it. And uh, he has been the president since uh, January 1 of 2018. And uh, we're still going along. For people who haven't listened to uh, your program on World Christian Broadcasting, on KNLS from Alaska and Madagascar World Voice, um, it's, it's not your typical Christian radio program. Definitely not, Jeff. We have a magazine format. I like to call it NPR Got Religion. And some people think they need it, but that's a separate issue. But we do a magazine format, three to seven minute segments. We want people to hear what's going on. You know, we'll talk about different things, health, lifestyle. We'll have author interviews. And then we have teaching segments. You're not going to hear preaching. You're not going to hear somebody pounding the pulpit. You're not going to hear somebody screaming or yelling. You're not going to hear people telling you how to vote or what to think about this, that, or the other thing. Now, Paul, here at the uh, at the SWL Fest this year, you are the keynote speaker, and I note that the topic of your speech is why shortwave still matters. Why does it still matter when all of these stations seem to be shutting it off? I'm glad you asked that question because shortwave is the only way a lot of people get information. We think of everything as it is in the U.S. We think everybody's got internet, everybody's got a smartphone, everybody's got all this technical stuff. Well, not everybody has that. And in a lot of these countries, they're in remote areas or they're in countries where the government controls the information, the AM, the FM, the newspaper, the TV. We can get a message. Now, yes, you can jam a shortwave signal, but it's a lot harder to jam a shortwave signal than to block something on the Internet. And do you think that shortwave will continue being important in the next couple of decades? As long as there are people in areas that need information they can't get anywhere else, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Paul, for talking with us. And uh, uh, good to be here at the uh, SWL Fest again for us. I think it's been about 10 years. So uh, um, maybe we'll see you more frequently here in the future. (laughs) I hope so, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. That was Paul Ladd from KNLS and Madagascar World Voice, talking to us at last year's winter SWL Fest in Pennsylvania. Again, if you have a chance to attend this year's fest from February 27th to 29th, I would highly recommend it. You can find all of the details on the Internet at swlfest.com. That's S-W-L-F-E-S-T dot com. Now our Canadian DX report from Harold Sellers in Vernon, British Columbia. And here are some of the stations he's been hearing lately. 7550 kilohertz, Armenia. 
TWR India at 1514 UTC in Hindi. At 1529.45, an interval signal, and at 15.30, sign-on in English. The schedule is 15.30 to 16.00 on Saturday and Sunday. They had an idea as you are listening to TWR, Trans World Radio, and an introduction to the Wonderful Worlds of Life program, Fair Reception. 7585 kilohertz from Germany, Radio Farda, via Lampertime, at 15.34 UTC in Persian. This is the U.S. government service being broadcast uh, to Iran. It seemed to be news headlines with short reports separated by music bridges. Port of Fair Reception noted a slight dual-path echo. On 7.565 kHz, Kuwait, Radio Free Asia relay at 15.36 UTC in Uyghur, it sounded like news. Poor, there was no jamming. Uh, but checking back at 1648, it appeared to be only China National Radio 1 that was audible, and the same CNR1 audio was also heard on 7365. On 7540 kHz, Tajikistan Radio Free Asia at 1534 in Tibetan, a man with an interview and a mention of Cambodia. Good reception, no jamming. 7330 kHz, Romania, Radio Romania International, at 1542 UTC in German, an ID and talk, good reception. 6170 kHz, New Zealand, RNZI, at 1557, with a talk about financial payments to prison inmates. At 1600, an ID and into news. He says, is this a move from the listed 6115? Very good reception. Slight QRM from the Voice of Korea signing on in German. On 6180, Taiwan, Radio Taiwan International, at 1602 with an English-Chinese language lesson. Check back at 1607 and heard an intro to a program with brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Poor reception. On 6195 Oman, the BBC relay in Oman, presumed at 1604 in Persian with news, poor reception. 7485 kilohertz, Singapore, the BBC at 1614 with the British football game play-by-play. Fair reception, parallel frequency with 7445 kilohertz via Madagascar. Also with fair reception. And 9865 kilohertz, India, All India Radio, Vivid Bharati, at 1625, with Hindi songs and music. Fair to good reception. Those items from Harold Sellers in Vernon, British Columbia. And finally, a news item from Rai, Argentina to the World. Uh, they are sending out new EQSLs using a tool designed by some colleagues there, specially adapted for Rye that allows them to do the whole process of verification and sending the EQSLs in a very simple and fast form. So from now on, they say, reception reports in all languages for Rye, that's eight different languages, should be sent to this address, QSLRAE, at gmail.com. 
That's QSLRAE at gmail.com. There are two EQSLs being used right now. One shows a microphone in Rye's main studio, and the other one shows various scenery of Argentina. Again, the email address for all reception reports to Rye Argentina to the World in all eight languages is QSLRAE at gmail.com. And by the way, the schedule for Rye in English is 0200 to 0230 UTC, Tuesday through Saturday, on 9395 kHz. And we end scan today with some music from Uruguay. This is Mi Bandera, or My Flag, played on the piano by Diego Picardo. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, Australian radio station 9AC on Bougainville Island in the Pacific. We'll also have the Australian DX report here on WaveScan. Several QSL cards are available. Send your AWR and KSDA reports for WaveScan to the AWR address in Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy or the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they'll also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The only email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. And the only postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P R A K. A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, other correspondence besides reception reports, is wavescan at AWR. Dot O-R-G. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. O por las peores también. O por las peores también. El mango vayan soltando. El mango vayan soltando. Ya no existe la sartén. Ya no existe la sartén. Cielito, cielo, que sí. Cielo del 69 Con el arriba nervioso Y el abajo que se mueve Que vengan o que no vengan Igual sabrán la noticia Se acabó la caridad Y va a empezar la justicia Cielito, cielo, que no Cielito, que le 
parece borrar y empezar de nuevo y empezar pese a quien pese mejor se pone el sombrero se pone en sombrero que el aire viene de que gloria el aire viene de gloria si no lo despeina el no viento los despeina el viento los va a despeinar va a la historia despeinar la historia Cielito, cielo que sí, cielo del 69, con el arriba nervioso y el abajo que se mueve. Cielito, cielo que sí, cielo lindo, linda nube, con el arriba que baja. Y el abajo que se sube.